I highly doubt that Beyonce would not come because she can't expose her crack. Okay, if I'm Beyonce, I'm like, wait, how did I get over it? <laughs> Why are you dropping my name? What, what's my crack got to do with <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Not typically the stuff of spicy news reports. The Senate Committee on Mental Health, Substance Abuse Prevention, Children and Families had a hearing yesterday. Oh, okay. Okay, well. Butt crack. Okay, that was said a couple of times. <laughs> in what context? Right, okay, let's, let's put it in context. You hear the story in the top of the hour news here. Republicans are circulating a couple of bills that essentially would make it a crime to be naked in public for any reason. And really, this is motivated more about children Uh, It would make it illegal for children to attend any event, like, for example, a naked bike ride where people don't have clothes on. And we talked about the events that happen. There's one in Madison this past summer. They want to do it in Milwaukee, or they have, where people ride bikes naked for various reasons, somewhat of a protest, somewhat of a celebration. You can debate whether or not that's a good idea. But nonetheless, these bills really were born of an incident in Madison where a young girl, I think she was 12, was... Either brought to, I don't know if it's parents, guardians, or whatever, but someone allowed this 12-year-old to participate naked in this event. People, as they often do, take pictures of the event. So what happened was there are pictures up on the internet of a 12-year-old child naked. And so that's where this is coming from. So, okay, you want to address that very specific problem, but the bills are rather broad. So to just say somebody can't be public naked, naked in public for any reason... Well, that maybe expands things out to like, well, what about art? What about performances? performances? Yes. So at the hearing, Senator LaTanya Johnson, she's on the phone here calling into the hearing, Democrat Milwaukee. She starts getting into that. And nowadays, uh, if you go to a concert, depending on the type of concert, a lot of people do have their buttocks exposed. That not only could prohibit them from coming here, it's also a concern for those parents that would take their children there that that could potentially be illegal, and it also affects the revenue that's coming into the state from ticket sales. So I think that's a fair question to ask, right? It's worth asking, I suppose, but is that really a problem? Are we sure. really worried about that much nudity in a performance? And and it, that's clearly not what this was supposed to be about. Cops are waiting on the side of the stage. Right. You don't want a, a Carlin incident, right? <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, if police at some major concert because somebody had a wardrobe malfunction but or what have is, you. Right. her point is well made, yes. Okay, so Senator Chris Kappinga, uh, Republican Delafield, has an answer for that, and that's where we got... Butt crack. Okay, here we go. Here's the whole thing. A, a strip of cloth from Joanne's fabric costs about 37 cents. So if they've got to buy 100 strips of cloth to cover their butt crack, um, I'm okay with that. I, I think they'll still come into town... For the tens of millions of dollars that um, that they will get, and I highly doubt that Beyonce would not come because she can't expose her crack. Okay, if I'm Beyonce, I'm like, wait, how did I get over it? <laughs> Why are you dropping my name? What, it's my crack. <laughs> so I think he's saying that's not what this is about. But right. okay, well, if it's legislation, like important point to raise let's make sure that that's in there that you're protecting performances mm-hmm. in whatever manner it, that you it want it doesn't to. necessarily have to be a superstar like beyonce it could be just a play sure and there are limits to all of that so i you know 
Not for nothing, they they do need to iron out these details. Sure. I don't know that that's the response, though. Like, maybe you could have just said, like, look, no one here is trying to cancel major concerts or prevent a 16-year-old from going to a big show. Can we all agree that 12-year-olds shouldn't be naked on the Internet? And can we work together to find a response to that? But instead, we got... So if they've got to buy 100 strips of cloth to cover their butt crack, um, I'm okay with that. I highly doubt that Beyonce would not come because she can't expose her crack. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Green Bay Packers are just a few days away from their clash with those Raiders in Vegas. Packers getting healthy following a few extra days off. Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins, Luke Musgrave, and Eric Stokes all returning to practice on Thursday. That's the good news for the team. The bad, former All-Pro Devondre Campbell, the middle linebacker, on the other hand, he did not practice as he rehabs his high ankle sprain that he suffered in week three. Could the Packers wait until after their bye week to get the former All-Pro back into the lineup? Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd love that. Um, we'll kind of see where he's where he's at. He's moving around a lot better, though. So we'll just, you know, take it one day at a time like we always do. The Packers not only getting healthy on the injury list after those couple of extra days off, quarterback Jordan Love on how these few days off have helped the team get better on the field as well. I think Matt challenged us, you know, after last game, um, you know, going through the break, just, you know, continue to watch uh, the past couple games and challenge everybody to think of one thing that, you know, we're going to work on going forward and um, just put kind of our focus into that going forward. So, uh, you know, going to the bye, you know, we'll have just things we're thinking about um, when we're out there at practice, going to the game, just focusing on things we can get better at. The Milwaukee Bucks will tip off their preseason this weekend as all eyes will be on the team following the acquisition of Damian Lillard just over a week ago. The seven-time All-Star speaking post-practice this week on what has stood out to him the most on building chemistry with the Greek Freak. I think it's been kind of interesting to come here and have somebody saying, you know, you just tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it. I want you to be Damian, and I'm thinking the same thing for him. So I think for that reason, it'll, you know, it'll come together pretty quickly. I think in our games, just naturally, the way he plays, the way that I play, it goes together. You know, we can really benefit from each other being on the floor. Milwaukee did hold practice on Thursday. Head coach Adrian Griffin told reporters that everyone participated in the workouts. The lone exception was Chris Middleton. Griffin did mention Middleton did several individual workouts as he still rehabs following offseason knee surgery. The Bucks will begin their preseason play on Sunday against the Chicago Bulls. That tip-off is all set for noon. Sports and theater collide next. Donald Driver's childhood books coming to life on the stage. 620 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Sports and art collide tonight. This first stage production of Dream Quickie Dream has its world premiere in Milwaukee. Now, this is a play based on, I hope you've read them to your children, based on the children's books authored by Packers Hall of Famer Donald Driver. Ah, the Quickie Books. The Quickie Books, yeah. Did you read them to the kids? Oh, yeah, they have one. Yeah. Quickie makes the team. Quickie handles a big loss. Mm-hmm. Quickie goes to the big game. Just a few of the titles by the Packers wide receivers. So I definitely enjoyed reading them to our kids. In, in fact, it was a way that I could engage them in Packers right when they were real little. <laughs> sit down, like, a selfish component to this. You know the Quickie books that we read? There's Donald <laughs> Driver, right? Just kind of bring him into the I fold a little I bit, right? They're all based on the character Quickie, which was Donald's nickname. And Life Stories from Driver. The new play premieres tonight. It's directed by DeMonte Henning. So 
from there, uh, we worked with our playwright, Gloria Bond Clooney, and she has turned those books into a new stage play. And so what's happening in this play is Donald is a new football champion. He has a newborn son, and he's trying to put his son to sleep, but he just won't go to sleep. So he calls for help. And uh, from out of the magic of theater, his younger version of himself appears. And throughout the play, they try to put his son to sleep through these stories about Donald's life, about him having to overcome these obstacles um, in his life and what ultimately led him to be a Super Bowl champion and to um, what allowed him to be the great ambassador that he is. Talking with DeMonte Henning, he is the director of the first stage production, Dream Quickie Dream. What was the collaborative process with Donald in terms of you, uh, Gloria, as you, as you were putting the story together? How, how involved, if if at all, is, is he in this production? First stage in the Market Center for the Performing Arts, uh, they actually came together and they commissioned uh, Gloria to write this story um, about Donald Driver. And so Miss Gloria met with Donald and she just talked with him. She read his autobiography. And from there, she was able to just dive deeper into his life story. And then Donald came into uh, one of our workshops, and it was such a great honor and and, uh, treat to be able to sit with him and talk with him, to watch the young people light up when he walked into the room, to be able to learn the football drills and the football talk as he just gave us little details as we, as we began blocking the show and staging the show. It was such an honor and it's such a valuable uh, treat to have him in the room with us. How about some of the young performers that you have the opportunity to work with and direct? You were them once coming up through Milwaukee and have had a wonderful career both uh, on stage and working as as well as a director. Uh, how special is this for you, DeMonte, to be able to work with these young performers now? Oh my goodness, it's, it's such an honor. We have 16 uh, young performers and both of our quickies, uh, for those of you who don't know, Quickie is Donald Driver's nickname. They're doing some amazing work. They literally never, ever leave the stage. And I have been pushing them incredibly hard, <laughs> but just understanding that you have to work hard for your dreams. And that's something that uh, that's a recurring theme in this play is that, yes, you have to have a dream, but you also have to work hard for those dreams. That's good advice. DeMonte, an actor himself, he's from Milwaukee, went to UWM. Stage and TV credits, including appearances in two seasons of NBC Chicago PD. So he's big time stuff. Donald expected at tonight's premiere. I'm planning to go tonight, E. So hope oh, you get excellent. a chance to catch up with D- Double D. Rub some elbows, say hello. Yeah, excited to see the show. Runs through October 29th in the Todd Ware Theater at the Marcus Center for the Performing Arts. Tickets at firststage.org. Signing Unlimited, WTMJ News Time, 637. Packers preparing for Monday night. The Bears already in the win column for this week. Brandon Snide has it in sports at 645. Only one new film is hitting theaters from coast to coast this weekend. And it's going to go number one. We already know it. They expect it. The Exorcist Believer. The only new film opening wide, and it'll easily finish first. It's going to make $30 million, they think. So that's basically how much it made to make the movie. So they're already going to have a profit. Scary sales, especially this time of year. So the Exorcist Believer expected to finish one already and, and make at least $30 bucks. It's funny. My son says to me that I'm not a scary movie guy. Like, 
I'll take mysterious and thriller. Right. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But like boo scary? No, thank you. Right. Or like like too scary? Like where I'm actually scared? Also not interested <laughs> in that. Right. Well, it's interesting about this. So it was supposed to open next weekend on Friday the 13th, but they oh, moved perfect, it up a week. Right? They moved it up a week because of Taylor Swift. Don't oh, forget, her Swifty Eras movie, movie yes. comes out next week. And by the way, AMC announcing Taylor Swift has now surpassed $100 million in global ticket sales for her new Eras tour concert movie. Those are just the pre-sale numbers. Wait, just for the movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Those are the pre-sale numbers. The movie's out wow. next week. You know what they should do? I don't know if they are, but they should have some kind of Barbie box for this, too. They should have some type of ex- you know stand or oh, exhibit. That you have that your picture taken in the lobby. Your selfie yeah. there, just like the Barbie yeah, box. They will, right? God, it'd be crazy not to. You need to have something to stand next to, right? And then more people will go and make more money. And there's clearly nothing these folks on the Swift team have not thought of, right? Six thirty nine on Wisconsin's morning news. Right now, Milwaukee at fifty four degrees. So, Vince, I was honored to uh, MC an event at the Fister last night. Pretty cool. It's on behalf of St. Francis Children's Center, which, if you haven't heard of it, look into it because it's pretty fascinating. Uh, St. Francis Children's Center is in Milwaukee. It's located on Port Washington Road, just south of Good Hope. And they provide education, therapy, family support to more than uh, 1,000 kids each year, and they target children with special needs, and they also have other children there as well. So they are inclusive, whereas you have kids with disabilities and others who may not have the similar challenges in the same classroom. It's fascinating. Uh, so anyway, they had their Leading Lights Awards Banquet last night at the Fister, and they honored some pretty remarkable people. Uh, Jody Margolis, Dr. David Margolis were honored, Randy Bryan from Ten Chimneys, Cecilia Gore from the Brewers Community Foundation. More on her coming up later on in the program, by the way. And also two women, and you and I have talked about this because of your Special Olympics work, two women who co-founded Journey 21, which is a nonprofit that provides living and learning options for adults with developmental disabilities. One of the things we've talked about, it, like this idea of like it's a child who needs help and development. Yeah, but then once they reach a certain age, there may not be as much for them to be able to learn from, to grow from, to have a program to be a part of. What's that next step? Is yes. it finding a way for that person to get into the workforce? Is it living independently or semi-independently? Yeah. All of those things. There's definitely a gap there. So I was able to chat with a couple of women who fo- co-founded a Journey 21, Sue Marriott and uh, Sheila Freisinger, who were also honored. And it was just, it was incredible to hear them speak about it. They actually met at a uh, Special Olympics event uh, and realized that they both had similar thoughts on, okay, what can we do for our children to make sure that there's places for them to give them opportunities once they age out? So uh, really cool. If you ever uh, have the interest, check, take a look at St. Francis Children's Center. It's sfccids.org. Did you do a good job? I, did, you, I, did you raise the money? I, actually, they did really well with the fundraising, so I was very proud of that. Yeah. Nice. Good for you. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> We all, look, when we get asked to, to MC an event, you obviously are performing the program that they largely sure, lay out, but you also, there's a little something on you, like, eh, <laughs> I don't want to be the dog where they're like, oh, that year we didn't do good. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, we do not want to ask right. him back. Gap in the budget for next year. <laughs> Absolutely not. Great. That's really important yeah. cause. Mm-hmm. 645 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Green Bay Packers are just a few days away from their trip out to Vegas to take on the Raiders Monday night. Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins, and Eric Stokes all back to practice for the pack. On the Raiders' side of things, the receiver Devontae Adams did not practice on Thursday. However, 
Quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo did, despite still being in concussion protocol. Week 5 in the NFL kicked off on Thursday night as the Chicago Bears got their first win of the season. This after beating the Washington Commanders by a final score of 40-20. to And staying with the Bears, legendary linebacker and pro football Hall of Famer Dick Buckus passed away on Thursday. He was 80 years old. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers season ended far too soon for any of us fans. And to make matters worse, this upcoming offseason now stands as a pivotal juncture that will undoubtedly shape the future trajectory of our franchise. The decision regarding Craig Council's future as manager here in Milwaukee is the main attraction. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He is by far the best manager in the game today. His leadership without question has been instrumental in the Brewers' recent success where they have seen the postseason five out of the last six years. In order for this team to compete at the highest level, retaining their manager is crucial for sustained competitiveness. With looming concerns seemingly growing by the week about this team's future in Milwaukee, this offseason now even becomes more pivotal in solidifying the Brewers' presence at American Family Field and ensuring all of those concerns can be put to rest in baseball remains in Milwaukee. After watching more runners left on base add up each night this postseason, adding offense for the 2024 season is imperative. There's no argument really to be made. This team struggled in this department this year and in years past, and bolstering the lineup with impactful hitters will be vital to mounting a serious challenge to a World Series. Combination of managerial stability, securing this team's future in Milwaukee for now and years to come, and enhancing the offensive capabilities makes this offseason the most critical for the Milwaukee Brewers, arguably over the past decade, setting up the stage for their future success. Welcome in our teammate from ESPN, Milwaukee, Gabe Neitzel. What are you going to do this weekend? No Packers Sunday? We've got to wait till Monday night for the game? And then we're on the Does bye that bum week. you out? Yeah. Well, like, and, and then the I, other I need thing. A game. Well, so the other thing is the Badgers the are Badgers on Peacock, are, right? Like, so I mean, I've I'm a wrestling nerd. GKW. If you want to listen to pro wrestling talk, Good Karma Wrestling Thursday nights at six uh, at ESPN Milwaukee on Twitter. Check it out or follow us on YouTube. Uh, so I already have Peacock because they have all the like WWE pay per views. Okay. So I'm already subscribed to Peacock, so I'll be able to watch the game that way. But I got to imagine it's going to be super frustrating for a lot of Badger fans out there. You know, going okay, it's not on NBC. Okay, not on not on oh, ESPN. It's got to be on Big Ten Network. No, where the bleep is this game? And, well, you got to go streaming only on Peacock. Does Peacock have a free version? Like, don't a lot of these have a like a, the free version where you get or commercials first, first three months free, or right? Something. Versus this, they, they may have something like that, but they also have tiers. Uh-huh. So there's like a you know five dollar tier where it's with commercials and then without commercials. But this is a football game, so of course it's always going to have commercials. Right. And yeah, it's it's a mess. You know what's interesting? These streaming services they're using sports, which is why sports are all over the place now. Yeah, using sports to attract you to to give you that one reason for that one game or whatever it is mm-hmm. to subscribe to their thing because heretofore you hadn't been. But, well, I guess I got to watch the Badgers. Yeah. So, you know. Well, same thing Thursday Night Football yep. last week. I mean, we were fortunate the week before with the Packers on Thursday Night Football. But if you were somebody living in Madison. Or if you want to watch the Bears yesterday. Yeah, you exactly. To watch- you, want, you, you had to have you know Amazon right. Prime. And the yeah. NFL's taking, I think, a huge risk by putting one of their playoff games. They've got a wild card game. I think everyone's going to forget about this by the time it gets here. But they're going to have a wild card game that's exclusively on Peacock. Okay. So unless the Packers happen to land on that game... 
Well, you're going to have to have Peacock if you want to watch all the NFL playoff games. I we think should that's really have a, a Peacock risk. sounder ready to go. Do you need a... you have one? I do I have one you. right now. Um, so... Ah! Well, <laughs> That's, I'm glad I'm waking up to that. All that's right, for real. Like that's actually so, what a peacock wait, sounds wait, like. Wait, so okay, so when I hear that sound, that's a peacock. Yeah, really. They Haven't are. you ever been to the zoo? Peacocks are all over the place. I, I mean, look. I ah! look. I'm I'm a 38 year old guy. There you go. I'm a 38 year old man with no kids. I don't think I can just go wandering around the zoo looking for different animals at this point in my life. Ah! Let's just by yourself. <laughs> Take your lovely wife. Hold hands, walk around. Yeah, there's the goats right over there. <laughs> All right, can I, can I, I got her text. desperately has been trying to get something in here. I'm, just, I'm holding my phone, waiting for oh, this text. Talking right, so, about peacocks and zoos. What what so important yeah, that you what, have to what get What do in? you have, Eric? So the Brewers got knocked out uh, this week. I got this text from a buddy of mine after they were eliminated. All right, you ready? List these names in order you think will most likely be in AmFam Field on opening day. So which one will most likely be here? Which of these names, which ones okay. will not? In order, there are three. Corbin Burns, Craig Council, Bob Euchre. Hmm. <sighs> this is a solid question. I mean, Good. it's a solid question, and it kind of hits you a little bit. And, and we were thinking about this and talking about it a little bit yesterday on our show over on ESPN Milwaukee about how... No matter what, it's going to be. It, it feels like almost the end of an era for the Brewers. Changes coming because there's yeah. going to be changes, and I mean, Yuke's going to be there. Like even if Yuke just steps back and is really paring down the games, like he's going to be in the ballpark for opening day. Right? If Yuke right? can be there, Yuke will be there. Yes, period. One hundred percent. So not going to announce. I'm I'm done with this. Good yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to play golf. <laughs> exactly. Nope. I so I think Yuke's got to be number one. After that, I say probably Corbin Burns. Yeah. And then Craig Council. I just don't think Council's going to be... Now, now I guess there's a possibility maybe he shifts to a front office role and he's in the ballpark, but I, I don't think we're going to see Craig Council manage the Brewers again. And I and I know there's a lot of people out there going, oh, well, he's clearly going to New York. Going to go David to New York. Stearns. He's going to David go Stearns. With David Stearns. I, I don't know. Stearns did not hire Craig Council. Council was already in place when they hired Stearns. You know, the timeline was they fired their manager. Melvin was still in place, and Council was working close with Melvin at that point when they put him in in place. And they hired Stearns with the, "Hey, you're our general manager, but you're not doing anything with Council." Also, and, right, this is our guy. Yeah. So, and and they ended up obviously making it work. So I, I don't know if they have a super tight work. You know, obviously they were able to get the working relationship aspect going, but it just kind of feels like if you're not signing that contract and you're Craig Council. Maybe he's a little burned out with the day-to-day aspect. I mean, he played, and dude was a grinder, right? So he, I mean, he played for almost 20 years. Right. And now has grinded since 2015 on the day-to-day for the Brewers. He's got, you know, a couple kids in high school, a couple kids in college. I think he wants to, yeah. So I think he wants to check those, you know, watch his kids play and maybe just take a little step back from the 162-game grind that can be a Major League Baseball season. Makes you appreciate how great Craig Council has been as our manager over the years when I heard... That's not what the text line says. I think, think, well, okay, here for for you who might disagree, I think Matzik was talking about it the other day in the pregame on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. He was talking about being there and talking with various guys. He goes, you know, I was on the day that I was there on the day when when Council was named manager and Ron Renicky had been fired. And I'm like, Ron Renicky? That's who we had last? (laughs) Yes. So hope you like that. That's better. Make that argument. Well, Craig Council's the best manager in the history of the Brewers. 
period, full stop. Okay, you know, would we have liked more postseason success over the last handful of years? Of course. Did he make mistakes? No, he made no mistakes. Yeah, That's I exactly mean, what yeah. we're saying. He and, never made mistakes. And the yes, Jesse Winker course. thing, I understand. Yeah. I wouldn't have booed him on his way to the plate. <laughs> yeah, that, probably didn't that help. Was, that was an interesting choice we made as a <laughs> fan base. Um, but, you know, hey, look, after <laughs> he grounds he out, that? go for it. But, like, yeah, you, you need the dude to get a hit. I don't think booing him is going to boost him. him with confidence. But <laughs> Help me. Yeah, so, I mean, clearly that was a mistake. But, I mean, when, when you tally all the positives and negatives for Craig Council since 2015, I mean, the positives overwhelmingly outweigh the negatives. Okay, your show's starting like soon. ESPN Milwaukee. Oh, in a minute. Gabe Thanks, Thanks, pal.